0: And you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash slash film.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, June 20th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film editor in chief, Peter Soretta. and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film senior writer, Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer, Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Okay, so we've been having this discussion about uh, is there like a really good prequel movie. Um, And we got another email. Peter from Stockholm wrote in that uh, he believes that the 2011 movie, The Thing, is a really good prequel to the 1982 movie, The Thing. Um, It ends off right where The Thing begins. I have not seen this. Have you guys seen the, the new The Thing?
0: It's really terrible. Um, yeah, it's bad. I, it's, it's like one of the worst uh, mainstream, like, <laughs> IP movies of the past 10 years, I think. It's it's really terrible. And I love Mary Liz, Elizabeth Winstead, who stars in that movie. And I think, like, uh, who else is in that film? Um, so it, it's got a good cast, but, oh, man. Yeah, that is, uh, that is a really terrible film. And I think it's an awful prequel because it's basically just a remake, right, Chris?
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty much the same movie then at the very end it's like, "Oh, it's a prequel. It doesn't it doesn't count." It's
1: <laughs> So it sounds like I don't need to see this film and it also seems like you guys are suggesting that Peter from Sweden our our loyal listener is wrong.
2: I mean, if he likes it more more power to him, but uh I don't think it's that good.
1: Speaking of people who are wrong, yesterday's episode was recorded before the early buzz for Spider-Man Far From Home had hit the web. And we had only talked about your reaction, Ben, which seemed to be lukewarm, right? And uh, it seems like everybody else seems to love this film. Uh, you wrote yeah. up a compilation for the site. Uh, what are people saying?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't go as far as to say that they're wrong. Um, they, you know, everybody has their own. Well, uh, I was saying own... you were wrong. Oh, <laughs> me? Okay, all right. Yeah, fine. Okay, <laughs> sure, Peter. You want to? You want to play it that way? That's fine. Okay, I see
2: how I see how well,
1: it goes. Well, I, I will say this: out of everybody on the site, I think usually my my reaction to a movie tends to skew more towards you. I mean, there are occasions where you you are wrong, like Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle, <laughs> but. Uh, but I tend to d- agree more with you, so I'm a little bit worried here because you are the only one in this list that seems to have not loved this film.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, a-, a lot of people. Uh, Eric Davis from uh, Fandango says that the movie is funny, exciting, romantic, goofy, and follows homecoming and being this brilliant ground level look at Spidey's world and how the events of Avengers Endgame impacted everyday life. Lots of twists and turns, plus some adorable summer romances too. I'm a big fan. Um, that that is gen- generally Representative of the overall sort of critical consensus as it exists right now Uh, Matt Singer who's a huge Spider-Man fan uh, Has been you know reading the comics is a a huge like maybe the biggest Spider-Man fan that I know said uh, Far From Home had the difficult task of following two epic Avengers movies and Spider-Verse and succeeds by telling a smaller classical story about Peter Parker caught Between what he wants and what responsibility demands pure catnip for Spidey fans like me so, yes, I think there are a lot of um, good ideas in this movie. For me, it it maybe is just a bit too uh, sprawling. It has maybe a bit too much going on, but I'm very curious to see what you guys think about it because there's a lot to, to dig it's, into. It's in the... funny
1: how you call it sprawling, but then the last quote you read said so it was a small story. <laughs>
0: I know. Yeah, that's the thing. But like by by its very nature, the movie is called Far From Home and it's about the characters going overseas and going on vacation. And it's like a it's a global movie, whereas Homecoming truly was like a, a small, intimate movie, especially in comparison to something like this, which, you know, opens up the scale, like I said, sort of like by its very nature. Like that's the intrinsic thing in in this movie is like. Uh, expanding the scope and making it a larger scale and and all of that, but there's some really interesting stuff in here about, especially about um, the exploration of Tony Stark's legacy. So I'm excited to see what you guys think about it and where you know Team Slash Film as a whole sort of comes down on this movie. But I had a lot of people you know uh, talking to me on Twitter and stuff yesterday being like. What's what's the deal with this movie? Trying to like gauge my reaction because I was the one who had like the the most um, I don't know. It's it wasn't not even, even a... like you disliked it. It was right. Yeah, it's a totally fine movie. I, I think. I actually in my tweet, I said that it was a B minus slash C plus like I couldn't decide right when I tweeted. And the more I think about it, it's probably closer to a B minus. But uh, which is like, yeah, it's a it's a fine superhero movie. Um, but uh, yeah, it just it didn't really blow me away in the same way that it seems to have um, really landed for a lot of other people.
1: OK, uh, Chucky is back. Child's Play is coming out in the early above his head. Chris, you you haven't seen this film yet. You're seeing it tonight.
2: Yeah, I'm seeing it pretty much when I'm done with work.
1: Well, we will get a review from you on the site uh, for tomorrow. But, Ben, what are people saying about this film?
0: So, Jacob Hall, the managing editor of Slash Film, saw this movie last night, and I'll read his tweet. Oof. Everything that was charming and deranged about the original movies has been remixed into something so half-baked and dull that I wonder why it even exists. How do you make Chucky, a psychopathic killer doll, boring? They pulled it off somehow. So, uh, yeah, that's – that's pretty harsh. Um, Matt Donato, who's a, a frequent slash film contributor, uh, also was not a big fan of this movie. He said in his review, uh, child's play is funniest when it shouldn't be unsuccessfully frightful and never the Mr. Robot diversion that Chucky 2.0 deserves. Um and, but it's weird. This is not a movie that has uh, engendered totally negative responses across the board. Uh, Coming Soon called it uh, deeply unsettling because it is so close to reality. It's a little a little hyperbolic, but let's face it, machines run our lives, and sometimes there are terrifying consequences. Um, Empire uh, did not appreciate the uh, idiotic characters that apparently populate this film. They said, uh, what we have here is a film populated by people so dense that they don't take the batteries out of the doll the second it malfunctions and when that happens the film soon malfunctions with it so it sort of seems like the reactions are kind of all over the place on this one
1: okay so it, it seems like until i hear what chris has to say about this movie i i'm, I'm not decided in if i need to see it or not um so that's right
2: i'm the final word on all things so wait for yeah. me everyone
1: yeah you'll determine if i use my amc a-list pass or not so, uh, Chris, the responsibility is in your hands.
2: All right. I'll, I'll do my best.
1: Uh, let's move from one horror franchise to another. Let's talk about Halloween. I know this is a film that you loved, Chris. And after you saw it, you were
2: like, I hope they don't make a sequel. And now they're making a sequel. Right. Um, so, yeah, Halloween, the 2018 sequel slash reboot, was a huge hit. And I knew – Deep down, that meant it was going to have a sequel. I mean, it cost like $10 million to make. It made $225 million worldwide, which is a huge uh, return on investment. So they'd be foolish to not make a sequel. At the same time, I was really hoping that if they made a sequel, they would bring in a whole new set of characters simply because uh you know spoiler alert for 2018's Halloween that film does a great job wrapping up the Laurie Strode story the Jamie Lee Curtis character it gives her closure it lets her take back her own narrative it lets her finally beat Michael Myers and you know she she sort of like you know closes the door on her past trauma so I kind of wanted her to have that happy ending uh, but it looks like Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back. Um, uh, it seems like Blumhouse and uh, Universal, they're gearing up to start shooting this, this fall. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is all but assured to come back. David Gordon Green, who directed the last movie, is, is probably coming back to direct as well. Uh, Judy Greer, Andy Matichak, who played uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter and granddaughter, respectively, they're expected to come back, so it looks like everyone is coming back, and I'm i'm conflicted about this because again on one hand i love the 2018 movie and i'd also you know the the prospect of getting more jamie lee curtis in halloween is you know from a fan perspective too good to pass up at the same time it's kind of a bummer that that laurie strode is apparently not going to get that closure and i really hope they don't like bring her back and have her die because that would be like a huge cheat to be like ah she finally she finally got closure oh never mind she's She's now being murdered by Michael Myers. Like, I really hope they come up with, with a really good reason for her to come back beyond, you know, we want to make more money. But but her side, like, what
1: is even like the good pitch for this movie that Michael just comes back all of a sudden? Like, I mean, I feel like what what is I, I feel like Blum and these people involved would have to have something better than the original Halloween sequels.
2: Yeah, I, I honestly can't even think of what the premise of this is going to be because you know the, the premise of the 2018 film was was good it, it, it was solid it was you know they ignored all the other sequels and it was basically a direct sequel to the first film and it was all about how Lori was dealing with the trauma all these years and so on and how she estranged her family i don't know what you do with a sequel that i mean i guess maybe it's about the strode women becoming closer because you know they spent almost all of the 2018 film, you know, at odds. And at the end of the film, everyone realized that Laurie was right. So may- maybe the, the sequel is about them bonding more. I don't know, but I don't know how you what, do that. What, just what if being the a sequel
1: like- is not even a horror film? It's just a drama, a, a Strode family drama uh, in the, the aftermath of this whole, you know.
2: Honestly, I would love that, but I know that's not going to happen. But <laughs> I would love to just see like this indie drama about the Strode women getting over their their trauma and becoming a family again, but uh, it sounds I, like
0: something that David Gordon Green would actually do because he has like roots in yeah. those types of indie dramas.
2: <laughs> yeah, may- maybe, maybe he's convinced Plumhouse to let him do that. We'll
0: see. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Let's uh, let's move on to Tiffany Haddish, who's going from Girls Trip to Bad Trip. Ben, what is this?
0: Yeah. So uh, we just saw a trailer. I, I had no idea that this movie existed, but there's a film called Bad Trip, which is opening this October, which sort of seems like a weird release date for a movie like this. But the premise of the film is that Tiffany Haddish, Eric Andre and Lil Rel Howery, who appeared in Get Out, are starring in a movie that sort of blends a traditional narrative story with a like a prank show format. So if you see the trailer, it's like um, Eric Andre and Lil Rel are like best friends and they steal their sister's car to go on a cross country a cross country adventure, and Tiffany Haddish I think plays the sister, and she is like breaking out of jail to join them on this trip or something. the The actual narrative elements are a little bit unclear because this trailer mostly focuses on the prank stuff, which includes like Tiffany Haddish uh, burying or like uh, emerging from underground, like like out of the dirt just outside of a prison, wearing like a prison jumpsuit. Where all these people are standing there and she like threatens them and runs away and these people are like freaking out. So it's it's an interesting mix of but stuff do, that I haven't how do really you pull seen
1: this off? Like how like I, with Johnny Knoxville, you put him in makeup and stuff and people right. don't recognize him. But Tiffany Haddish, I feel like is all over TV. Like every time I go to the movies, there's some kind of new Tiffany, Tiffany Haddish, uh, you know, comedy play, a trailer playing before the movie.
0: Yeah, I was wondering the same thing because she, I mean, she does have her hair in dreadlocks, but I don't really, or or cornrows, excuse me, but I I don't really think that they do much to change her uh, appearance. And I guess Eric Andre and Lil Rel are not as well known. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Tiffany Haddish in the past like two years she has hit like pure market saturation as far as I'm concerned. She's been in a ton of stuff. She's all over, you know, TV shows, movies, everything. And so I don't really know where in the country this was shot where people wouldn't immediately recognize her. Maybe that says a lot about the state of modern movie stardom. But for me, like the most interesting thing about this movie is like the um, blending of these styles, especially when younger people audience members, younger viewers seem to be spending more time watching stuff on YouTube than actually going to the movies. And here comes a movie that seems to be sort of like co-opting YouTube aesthetics and blending it into, you know, something with a a more traditional narrative. So I I hope that this is not like the beginning of a an evolution of of film and its style as we know it, because that's kind of terrifying to think that that this medium that we love so much would basically just uh begin to um <laughs> reflect yeah. youtube styles over you know in order to stay alive but you know the film industry is not exactly doing great so this is an interesting experiment if nothing else
1: i mean i will say like you know the jackass movies were enjoyable but they really didn't have a narrative and then there was bad grandpa which uh have you have either of you guys seen bad grandpa
2: i skipped that one chris did you see it uh, no, I think I saw the trailer and I said, I will never see that. So no,
1: <laughs> it, it's surprisingly better than you think it's going to be. Not to say it's good, but, uh, they were able to create a narrative that put them in situations like, you know, restaurants on a road trip where they could pull these obnoxious, uh, outrageous stunts, um, that fit along in this like road trip adventure story. So, I, I mean, I could definitely see more films doing this, but, uh, it, it, I mean, you make a good point here, Ben. Is this the beginning of the end of you know theatrical cinema?
0: <laughs> I certainly hope not. It's also worth mentioning that Jeff Tremaine, who is one of the masterminds behind Jackass, and I think he had he either directed or produced a bad grandpa is the the writer of this movie. I think he's yeah. a producer as well. so um there seems to be some shared DNA between those those concepts and and this film.
1: I do think there is like a more more of a genre to be made out of reality films and by that i don't mean documentaries like i i've always wanted to see like a film where they like i mean i guess uh darren brown has done some of this on like his netflix shows but like put a guy in like a die hard situation and hide cameras and make that into a movie where everybody's an actor you know it's truman show style except for that one guy i think that could be really compelling uh anyways okay let's move on to barry uh the breakout star of barry has been cast in bill and ted face the music chris what do we know
2: uh yes so anthony kerrigan who is uh wonderful on barry as noho hank is moving up in the world and i'm i'm glad to see that he's just been cast in uh bill and ted 3 aka bill and ted face the music as that film's villain um there's no real details about what His character is other than he's the, quote, relentless adversary of Bill and Ted in the film. But just the fact that he's in the movie at all is is exciting to me because I love the idea of picturing him acting against Keanu Reeves because I never thought I would see that ever. And now it's going to happen. He's
1: one of the best parts of Barry. I love him so much. But I'm wondering, like, is it wrong that we're like casting him in another weirdo
2: villain role? I mean, it depends. I guess it's really his call. Like, he could always say no to the gig yeah. if he he doesn't like it. I I think you know he seems like an actor who, you know, he's been trying to break out for so many years, and now that he's doing it, he's probably just happy to, you know, do such big projects. It's kind of like Ben Mendelsohn, where he always plays creepy guys, and he seems yeah. fine with doing that because you know he struggled for years as this Australian character actor, and now he's like in everything as quote-unquote the villain but he's fine with that because he loves to work
1: sure okay let's talk about spider-man uh, which is being written by jj abrams i'm not talking about the film i'm talking about a new comic book series ben what is going on here
0: yeah so earlier this week uh marvel comics on twitter posted an image of a number four that looked as if it was, you know, uh, webbed up like Spider-Man style. And people were wondering what the hell this is. There were some rumors going around that maybe Sam Raimi's abandoned Spider-Man four movie might be uh, being turned into a comic book. That ended up not happening because that number four, the next day turned to a number three and it was turned out to be just a countdown to an announcement. And that announcement was revealed today, which is that JJ Abrams, of course, you know, from the star Wars movies. And if you, Are listening to the podcast and you don't know who J.J. Abrams is, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, He is going to be writing a new limited Spider-Man comic book series alongside his 20-year-old son, Henry Abrams, and the new comic is going to introduce a villain that we've never seen before called Cadaverous to the Spider-Man universe. Uh, Sarah Pacelli is doing the art of this comic and uh, Dave Stewart is doing the coloring. So, um, yeah, that's basically it. We know it's a five-part limited series. It's going to debut in September. And, um, you know, for everybody out there who is, like, why the hell is J.J. Abrams' son writing this? He he knows that uh, <laughs> that there's a lot of nepotism going on and that the reason that he's able to do this is because he has a famous father. His, his quote in the New York Times, who did this big sort of um, interview with both of them, is obviously there's an undeniable privilege here and I'm not ignorant of that. I think part of creating is creating on your own. My hope and my goal is to do that after this. I just can't believe this opportunity was afforded to us. It's been a great excuse, especially during the year when I'm in college, to just call and talk about about the story. So uh it sounds like he'll theoretically be breaking off onto his own and, and maybe just using this as a launch pad of getting his name out there, which uh I don't know. I'm sure people I, I feel have like complicated feelings about. I
1: feel like he probably doesn't need a Spider-Man comic as a launch pad when your last name's Abrams. Right. But I don't know. What do what do I know? And it's interesting, we should mention that it looks like JJ Abrams is going to Warner Brothers. Is that correct?
0: Warner I think Me- the the uh the contract has not been officially yeah. signed yet, but it seems very, very likely that, yes, the the mega deal, the development deal that has been – we've talked about on this podcast before. It seems like WarnerMedia is going to, to win that battle and, and secure J.J. Abrams for the foreseeable future. Yeah,
1: so we – so it is possible that J.J. J. Abrams could be writing for Spider-Man and Superman in the course of like a year.
0: Uh, yeah, I guess I guess that is possible. Yeah. Yes.
1: From Marvel Comics to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Kevin Feige has been doing some press for the upcoming Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh he didn't talk to us. I'm not bitter about it at all. And uh but he did talk to some people and we we got some uh some bits from those interviews including his want to to include Keanu Reeves in the MCU. Chris, what do we know?
2: Uh yeah, so as is usually the case when a marvel movie comes out kevin feig does the rounds and everyone asks him a million little questions about future marvel stuff and he either gives an answer or he dances around the answer because he either doesn't have one or he doesn't want to spoil things uh one thing that came up is would keanu reeves ever be in the mcu because everyone loves keanu reeves now and rightfully so and according to kevin Feige, um, uh, he calls Keanu Reeves almost every time a new Marvel movie is being made. I don't really know how true that is or how, how hyperbolic it is, but that's what he said. He said he literally talks to Keanu Reeves about pretty much every Marvel movie, and they're just trying to find the right one for him. So he adds that he doesn't know if it will ever happen, but he really wants it to happen. So make of that what you will. Hmm. I, I wonder what characters he's met with Marvel
1: about. Like I could totally see like Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that. Um, or like
2: I I feel like he would be a great like Doctor Strange. Like he'd be better than Benedict Cumberbatch. No offense to Benedict Cumberbatch. It'd just be more interesting casting, I think. Yeah. It'd be a lot it'd be a lot different. I and yeah. feel like the, the big
1: criticism of Cumberbatch is it's too much like Tony Stark. And I feel like if Keanu Reeves was in that role, it would be a that criticism would not be there even with the right. story yeah okay that brings us to the end of today's slash film daily chris where can we find more of your work online
2: uh i am at slash com every day and i'm on twitter at c evangelista 413 ben where can we find you
0: i am also at dot com. i am on twitter and instagram at ben pears.
1: You can find me at Slash Home on all social media. You can find all the stories we talked about on today's podcast on home.com and linked in the show notes. This podcast is published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to Peter at home.com. Leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention the email on the air in the mailbag. And please head on over to our iTunes page and get, rate us and review us. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.